Welcome to Turf Dudes, show number 43. In this episode, we are joined by a new member of the Herald's agronomy team, Dr. Aaron Palmatier, and special guest, Jack Harold III. Dr. Palmatier is trained as a plant pathologist and a respected authority within the greenhouse and nursery ornamental production industry. Aaron joining the Herald's agronomy team adds a knowledge base and passion that's tough to match. Turf Dudes is a Herald's agronomy team collaboration by Dr. Raymond Snyder, Dr. Paul Giordano, and Dr. Jeff Atkinson. Turf Dudes is produced by Brandon Clark. Enjoy the show. All right, today we've got Aaron Paul Matier, new uh, Turf Hort Dude. Hort Dude, I don't know what your, your title is going to be with us, but a new addition to our agronomy team, uh, which is now made up of myself, Paul Giordano, and Raymond Snyder. And then we also have our special guest, our fearless leader today, and uh, Jack Harrell, the honorary Turf Dude of this episode. So, guys, appreciate you joining us, Aaron. Appreciate you joining the team. We're happy to have you. We're thrilled to have you. Um, but I guess to get started, kick things off, you know, you're a well-known guy in the whole world, but you come over to our golf course side, turf side, lawn care side. There might not be so many people that are aware of your skill set, your background, and who you are. So why don't we just kick it off and kind of tell us a little bit about, about your background and um, your specialty. Sure. First of all, great to be here uh, to to participate on turf dudes and you know i i always look forward to learning more about golf uh and and turf grass but uh you know i'm i am an ornamental guy first and foremost um that's been the 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 majority of my career uh but i'll just tell you i'm originally from from illinois uh and many pounds ago i i actually uh ran cross country at southern illinois university uh, got a bachelor's degree in uh, plant and soil science, and then um, and then while I finished that degree, uh, so I do actually have a, a pretty strong background in 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 soil science and fertility, uh, more on the crop side, if if anything. But um, I had an opportunity to to uh, take on a teaching assistantship to pursue a master's degree in a soybean breeding program. And so, um, and it, it was it was there where uh, I really started to learn um, more on the pathogen side because I was working on breeding soybean for resistance to soybean cyst nematode. And so, working with populations of nematodes, uh, that that really sparked my interest in in the pathology side of things. And then I I ended up um, deciding I wanted to pursue a PhD in, in plant pathology. And uh, there's a professor, there was actually two distinguished university professors at Auburn University. Uh, one was Rodrigo Rodriguez Cabana. Um, he's uh, a pretty well-known nematologist. And then the other one was Gareth Morgan Jones, who uh, was a classical mycologist. And, and this guy was amazing. He had a, a photographic memory. And so it was a really uh, unique opportunity to go to Auburn University and, and really learn. I'm still working in nematology, but, but also to, to learn mycology. And that, and that really set the foundation for, uh, for me to get involved in diagnostics because, man, I, I, I did a mycofloral uh, study on, on cotton, of all things, uh, but then I had an opportunity to work in their diagnostic clinic where that's where I was introduced to to uh, ornamentals, um, more on the horticultural side. Uh, and then um, 
to, to kind of speed things up, I, I made my way to the University of Florida, uh, where I, I joined faculty in the Department of Plant Pathology. Uh, and I was on the faculty there for, for 12 years. So I'd actually done the whole 10-year uh, stint. And uh, the, the entire career uh, at UF was uh, all diagnostics and it was all ornamental. So uh, 100% horticultural crops. Um, and then my, my research program really, you know, complemented the diagnostics and that was just focusing on, on disease management. So, so it was at UF where you know, I had an opportunity uh, to work with a lot of companies, a lot of manufacturers. Um, that's where I, I met Jeff Atkinson when he came to me from CPRO. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, develop these relationships in, in the industry side and, and, and that's really, uh, where, you know, uh, it was, uh, it was the end of 2016 when, when I decided to, to take a leap and, um, and join Bear and, uh, and the beginning of that ornamental team, uh, was there almost five years. And then I, um, I took a short detour and, and um, was the technical development manager with CPRO um, for about a year. And then, and then Jack came to me um, with an opportunity that I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to be a part of. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, you know, to, to being in this technical uh, world uh, with, uh, with Harold's. Well, I got to say it's, uh, I don't, want to offend any other research cooperators that we work with, but the time that I came to visit you in Homestead while you were still at UF, you took me around to taste all the different varieties of mangoes and avocados and everything else you have going on there. It was kind of a unique visit that I don't think you can uh, match many other places in the U.S. Yeah, let me tell you, that's one of the the reasons why I'm still down here in in South Florida as, as uh, the tropical fruit is, is as unique as it gets. Like you mentioned, mangoes, lychees, longan, jackfruit. Uh, I've, I've really come to, to, to love all the tropical fruit. And, and the other thing, of course, is, is the, the disease pressure is off the chart down here. You, know, you got a 12 month growing season. So that's always exciting. I mean, the insect pressure, disease pressure. Uh, you name it, uh, we we have it down here. So it, it's a mecca for a for a plant pathologist. <laughs> so I mean, you're kind of a stone's th- where you live physically. You're pretty much a stone's throw from all kinds of ornamental production, correct? Yeah, yeah. So so um, Excel Farms is literally in my front yard, and then a block behind me is is Nature's Way. <laughs> so. Like my my road is only developed on one side, and and we're we're smack dab in the middle of of production. So it's a it's a it's a cool place uh, for me to be for sure. So Aaron, hey, this is Paul here. Obviously, you and I go back to the Bayer days, and um, it, it's it's great to hear your story about kind of falling in love with the field of pathology because obviously that's a very similar. I think we have a lot in common on, on that side, but. I mean, tell me and tell the folks that are listening a little bit about your day to day, like in the past, you know, with CPRO as well as Bayer as kind of a technical uh, specialist, if you will, on those teams. What was your day to day like and, and what were some of the services that you provided to growers and uh, out to the industry? 
Yeah, great question, Paul. You know, one of the first things um, that I realized when I joined this side of the the industry is that, you know, I I think as a plant pathologist, uh, I was a good fit because of the broad background that I that I have uh, and then being involved with diagnostics, because one of the things about being in in this role uh, is that we, we have to solve problems and we see a lot of different issues. It's it's not just uh, plant pathogens. It's it's weeds. It's it's insects. It's, of course, from a pesticide standpoint, it's it's all of the above and uh, uh, the above, including, you know, biostimulants, adjuvants, you know, you, you name it. Um, and, and so uh, it, it really, you know, you have to broaden your horizons. Um, you have to think outside of the box. Uh, but, you know, the, the day-to-day is is constantly trying to figure out, you know, prioritize what does the sales team need the most, you know? And, and you know, when I travel with the sales team, you ask a lot of questions, you can kind of learn, like, where what direction they're going with, uh, with in, in my case, on a national level in that region. And then, you know, um, Trying, trying to figure out what's going to help them uh, do their job the best and meet the needs of the of the customer. Uh, so, you know, I, I think a, a large part of the day is is definitely directed towards the the sales support side, and then at the same time, there's always the the excitement of of looking in, into new opportunities, new innovation, um, and and that that really drives excitement, you know, in any given day, um, and so. And then it's you know, and then it's just a lot of putting all the pieces together and and rolling with it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, brother, we're happy to have you over here uh, on the Harold side, and looking forward to, to getting going. I know you're just a couple weeks in, but it's it's uh, really happy to have you, man. You're a great resource to the industry, and, and certainly a, a huge uh, asset to us over here. So, welcome aboard. Thank you, Aaron. Well, first of all, as the honorary turf dude on this call that doesn't have his PhD, I know we're recording this, but the four of us can all see each other. And it is wildly intimidating the lack of degrees I have behind me in this video <laughs> and the clutter that is on all of y'all's walls behind you. I know Jeff's are not behind him. His are just facing him so he could stare at all the glory of his 10 years Okay, yep, there we go. I mean, this, this should be a YouTube podcast so that all the people could see the years of dedication you guys have done, and I've got, you know, hiring you guys to show for it. So, Raymond, Ray, Raymond would be happy to show his rolled up in his little uh, canister right. that he has in his office, but right. it's all the same. So, you know, as the dumbest guy on this podcast, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um <laughs> Obviously, Aaron, glad to have you. And one of my questions is, obviously, the last two years with COVID has been uh, very interesting in a lot of ways. And in all of the markets that the that that in in the industry that Harold's is in, golf is all you know back to an all time high. Um, People are playing rounds um, at at an all time high rate. You can't find a membership anywhere. You can't get on a public course anywhere. Lawn care companies are busier than ever. What what has the last two years done for the ornamentals business? Jack, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it was when 
the pandemic just started uh, down here in, in the backyard. It was gloom and doom. I mean, there, there were a couple uh, nurseries, uh, you know, mid mid the smaller size, uh, you know, tell me they, they were going to have to they're going to shut down. And it was it was like everybody was just uh, it was paranoia. And then all of a sudden, bam, I mean, it just it, it, it took a 180 uh, plants started flying off the shelf. Um, and, it, you know, just it's been uh, record breaking sales pretty much across the board. Uh, now, having said that, one of the things that, that I've seen in, in, um, is that uh, the quality uh, had kind of taken a hit. So, you know, plants flying off the shelf so quick, uh, they're, you know, they're just not putting the, uh, the same types of amendments and what, you know, every, everything going into the input side, uh, that, you know, kind of took a, a back seat, if you will. So, so we saw definitely a little bit of the, the plant quality go down during these, during this time, but, um, it's been pretty remarkable, you know, people, uh, people at home. People, people not going in, they're buying more plants. They're doing a lot more outside activities, uh, trying to stay, you know, out away from people indoors. And, it, and, and we've fortunately, our industry has benefited from that. Um, and, you know, now we're at a, we're at a point where everybody's kind of like, what's going to happen? You know, it, we're, we're at this stage now where it's like, uh, we, you know, we, nobody really knows, uh, is it going to take a dive? Is it going to continue to, to climb? Um, and, and so this is going to, this is a, one of these where I wish I had a crystal ball to know exactly you know, how it's going to play out. But, but the pandemic certainly was, was actually a, a good thing for, for sales in our industry. So what's your prognosis there, Aaron, just given your experience and maybe the folks that you talked to that have been in the industry a long time, you know, with golf, we kind of suspect that new people have taken the game up and knowing how that sport can get into you and it's a bit of, of an addiction that will likely maintain some, not all of those new players. With folks that have taken on more of a green thumb, they do it themselves or they're taking on gardening and things around the house. Is that sustainable? Do you guys feel that that's something that's, you know, going to perpetuate into the future or is it kind of artificially inflated just due to COVID? I think it's artificially inflated due to COVID, but, you know, one thing, you know, the, just when, when you compare a commercial, an operation where, you know, the, the good growers that, you know, the, the quality growers that, that are our big customers, um, you just, you can't compete with how, I mean, the way that they're growing those plants and just they're, you know, providing, all the the right you know the environmental conditions the right nutrition uh you they're keeping them healthy uh you know those quality plants end up going to um any homeowner that's out there and eventually they're going to kill it you know so there's jobs there's job security you know you, i always hear the people you know like the phalaenopsis orchid people you know they buy these beautiful phalaenopsis orchids and then they're always like man i can't keep them alive well you know, that's, that's actually job security, you know, it's like, well, I'm just going to throw it out and buy another one. And, uh, we see that far, far too often, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely a little inflated, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think we're, we're here to stay in terms of, you know, people, people love plants, you know, plants bring a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of research out there that just show that the, the whole aesthetic quality just is, uh, you know, it, it really, 
makes people feel good. Um, you know, bring, brings a lot of, of, of good qualities, uh, to, to the home. So I, yeah. When you say there were, I guess, different inputs or reduced inputs or not as thorough of inputs during that period, is that due to, we're just trying to turn and burn so quickly, or is that due to, we can't get the materials that we typically traditionally would put into a blend or maybe most of those? Uh, yeah, Jeff, that's a that's a great question. I, I think it, there's a little bit of both. I mean, so for one, um, early on uh, in the pandemic, uh, it was just uh, supply couldn't keep up with demand in, in, in terms of, of plants. And they, uh, you know, there was a, the, I don't know if you remember, there was the this this uh, severe cold uh, outbreak in Texas where they had like, you know, all the way down into Houston, they had like severe freeze uh, lost tremendous plant material uh, in that state. And Texas is a big player in, in, in the horticultural world. And, and uh, what happened is, is Florida couldn't, have, couldn't grow enough plants to supply the demand in Texas. And, and it made some of these nurseries here just, I mean, plants were flying off the shelf. Growers tell me that brokers are coming and they're settling for stuff that they would never sell in a million years. So it did their, you know, buying crap was, was kind of the, it, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, but then, but then as, as things continued to, you know, as time went on, that's when we started to see the limitation of resources and the availability of, of whether it was pots or, you know, just, it, it became, Definitely uh, more difficult to, to get materials and supplies uh, for production. So, um, and now we're kind of, you know, now we're kind of coming out of that. But then we're at the same time, we're like, well, where's, you know, what's going to happen with uh, with overall demand? And, you know, and you got to look at the housing market. You know, that's that plays a big role. Uh, but one, one thing I can say, though, is that, that I think is kind of interesting in, in my years working uh, in a diagnostic clinic at UF, I interacted with a lot of pest control operators and, and, and landscape companies. And it seemed that the pest control side of the business just, it just never, it, it, it's recession proof. I mean, it just seemed like they were always, uh, always at the top. Uh, if there's one, one area of stability that definitely seemed to, to be the case. And, um, it just, you know, people, people don't like their bugs and cockroaches, you know, and <laughs> understandable, you know, <laughs> yeah, they didn't take a break for COVID. No bed bugs, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, yep. So, so Aaron, for our listeners, you know, obviously most being that this is turf dudes, most of our listeners are golf course superintendents or property managers. And, um, you know, most private clubs, even public courses, have a lot of ornamentals and plantings around the golf course. Outside of just the turf they manage, they're responsible for a lot of other plants around that property. And it's often the first thing you see when you pull in. It's what you're looking at or staring at if you're eating dinner on the on the porch or patio. And so these are important elements um, that are managed by oftentimes the golf course superintendent or somebody, a turf manager on the property. Um and I'm glad to have you on board because oftentimes I'll get asked questions about ornamental diseases that I haven't the slightest clue about. Or, and if you don't, I have kind of a joke. If you don't mow it, I don't know it. But, <laughs> um, you know, I know, I guess, enough to be dangerous. But when these things come up, and they often do, um, you know, knowing that a majority of our customers are, are turf trained, classically trained in turf science, 
what might be some tips and tricks that you could give some of the listeners just on basic ornamental care and, um, you know, I guess in your experience in these sorts of situations? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Paul. And, you know, one one of the things um, I have to say is that, you know, I've I've interacted, I've played in the landscape side of things. So, you know, my years with UF, I also had landscape responsibilities. And, and that did take me to a few golf courses uh, from time to time. But, you know, the, the thing, the thing that it starts just like it would in, in, in a greenhouse or a nursery where you start with plant propagation. When, when a golf course puts in a new, a new plant installation, uh, you got to start with, with quality material and you've got to take a preventative approach. Just like, you know, uh, so just, you know, like they're, I know that they, they're not going to spend near, nearly the time and effort uh, with their ornamentals as they do with the, with the grass. Um, but they have to, you know, you got to recognize that it's, it's all about quality and it's all about prevention from the beginning. If you start clean, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have less frustration, less problems, um, going forward. Uh, don't settle for, you know, oh, well, these, these are second grade, uh, plants or there, you know, there, there was an issue, uh, that, you know, that doesn't get addressed early on. It's just going to uh, create problems going forward there. I mean, I'm sure there's cases where there's things that can jump from the grass to the ornamentals, just with the diversity of everything that uh, we have in, in the ornamental world. But so, so, you know, it's, it's first, it's all about, um, you know, uh, the quality up front. It's also, uh, you know, using good judgment on, on putting plants in the right environmental uh, situation. So, you know, you, you, a lot of times you get these landscape installs where they just, uh, they, they don't make sense from a horticultural standpoint. And so sure. that's where, you know, that's where they gotta, they gotta make the, the right decision to you know, right plant in the right place. And then, and then it's just a matter of, of, you know, um, either, you know, doing the homework uh, to know, you know, what, disease and insect pest challenges you're you're up against and then coming up with you know just like you would on the course you got your spray program you know coming up with something you know it, it, and again a lot of these these plants when they're happy uh they don't you know um outside of certain environmental um areas you know they don't have to be sprayed weekly you know and i mean it's not like they um, especially with a lot of the newer chemistries and then, you know, and then, and then, you know, the other thing is, is, is in landscape beds or in containerized areas, um, you know, you can often use, uh, things that are more environmentally friendly, like some of the biological type products and stuff that, that will, uh, you know, when contained may, may show even more in, improved benefits as opposed to in a natural uh, soil environment. So there's a, you know, there's, I mean, that's something that, that again, it depends, you know, it's always uh, species or, or site specific, but sure. that's definitely something, something to consider. And, you know, the, the other thing is, is um, I don't know how you guys do it in the, in the turf grass world, but, you know, I always say, you know, don't put your, your plants to bed wet. Um, it, 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 water, water management is, is huge. Um, you know, there, it's far too often that, that landscape, uh, plantings aren't well managed from a standpoint of providing adequate irrigation. Um, and, you know, water, water is so important. Uh, you know, can't get 
too too wet and can't get too dry, right? And so they, they definitely need to account for, for you know, they, all the all the horticultural practices uh, are are going to be in, are going to be important, and then just keeping a uh, you know keep keeping a, a a you know a close uh, eye on things so nothing gets out of hand. You know that they you know my advice to to golf course superintendents and turf grass managers is you know have somebody dedicated to to looking at the ornamentals that that are in the landscape you know on a regular basis just to make sure that they you know they can spot things that that may not be right um the earlier you take action the the, the less you know the, the less frustration and probably the less expense um going into to solving the problem sure sure Appreciate that. I know this year has been a difficult one for, you know, a lot of folks, especially through the Northeast where there's been some significant drought conditions. There's been a lot of lost ornamental plantings due to, like you said, the abiotic issues more than the biotic. So it's, um, it's definitely something that those that have a horticulturist on staff and dedicated to, to taking care of those plants are probably doing a lot better than those that are just kind of doing it willy nilly. But no, absolutely. You know what, one of the things I always tell people, it's like, you know, we can talk to plants, but they don't talk back. And, you know, so you're dealing with a, you know, a scientific partner and, you know, and everybody's got an opinion, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, a lot, a lot of times experience wins out, you know, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's remarkable. You know, you, you can talk to five different people about a problem and everybody's got a different, you know, different uh, uh, answer or diagnosis. And so, yeah, yeah, yes. it's, it's, it makes for a, a fun area to work in, for sure. It's it's like going on the online message boards when folks post problems, whether it's turf problems or ornamental problems. You'll get some doozy answers on those message boards, and like you said, they're usually all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah, you gotta love the disease ID answers that you often get. So, not pointing <laughs> fingers anywhere. So, I'm I'm curious. You have. You know, in the turf world, we've this past year, past couple of years, we've done a lot with labor shortages, supply chain issues like you've, you've discussed. I'm just curious in, in the Hort market, are there similar challenges that you guys are facing or the different challenges, you know, herbicide resistance, fungicide resistance, et cetera? Are these things that you guys are also tackling in the, in the Hort world as well? Yeah. Again, another great question. And, and yes, a- absolutely. I mean, if you, I would say, over the last five years of my career, uh, every time you take a poll on what's the biggest, you know, uh, challenge in 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 your operation, it's labor. Labor, labor has, has it continues uh, to be the biggest issue, and typically it's it's you know labor shortages or it's just quality, not lack of quality labor, and and so. So that's one thing that, you know, I, I, you know, I always look at these, these products that, that bring, you know, more residual activity to the table. So like, you know, coming from bear, you know, spectacle, Marengo, uh, long lasting pre-emergence herbicide. And, you know, some of just some of the systemic chemistries that are out there that, you know, that provide, you know, then you may be able to save a couple of weeks, you know, based on a drench application. So, that's kind of been one of the areas the, the industry is, has has went you know in that direction, looking at uh, systemicity for longevity. Um, but at the same time, 
you mentioned resistance and in one of the issues is of course taking that kind of approach sometimes you know, it sets yourself up for for greater uh, potential uh, for for resistance because you're you're trying to ride out one one mode of action or or you know in some of these you know unfortunately uh, in in our world um, what happens is uh, when when a grower uses a new product and they have a great experience with it they just they they want to use it again and again. And, you know, and, and they oftentimes will come up with excuses as to why they're, you know, they're abusing it. And unfortunately, that's where, you know, we have our, our, our challenges with, with resistance. And, you know, one of the, you know, I mean, I'd say over, especially over the last couple of years, uh, there's been a, a really good, I, I'd say people are moving in, in a better direction in terms of mixing it up. Um, and, you know, the, you, you know, just with all the different uh, resistance uh, management groups like the Fungicide Resistance Action Committee, you know, they've got the basically spray by numbers. You know, they make, they're making it easy with these with these uh, classification numbers on on labels. And so that's been a good thing. Um, but but yeah, I, I again, um, labor is is definitely uh will probably continue to be one of the the number number one uh, challenges which that's kind of interesting you think you know in golf courses more and more are going towards robotic mowers and automation and i at least my opinion uh, you know i know next to nothing about the horde industry but it seems as though you guys are far ahead of where we are in terms of automation in some parts of production and so, yeah, oh, but even with that, you yeah. still have labor issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you go into some of these, some of these state-of-the-art greenhouses, these Dutch greenhouses, where I mean, the innovation is is pretty amazing. And then you know, there's there's operations out there using robots to place plants, so that they can, you know, when you when you think of plant placement and on an acre and ornamentals, that you have to really think three-dimensional because not only can you have plants on the ground, you get plants on tables, and you can have plants hanging. So you, you, the, just the, the sheer number of, of plants per acre can be mind blowing. Uh, but, but the innovation part, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, there's, I mean, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to, to having, um, a lot of the, the latest and greatest technology. I mean, I've seen some, some people start using drones, uh, for, for scouting and for spraying and then, they have a bad experience and they just go away from it. So it's, you know, you wonder just, I think it's, you know, things got to get worked out to a point where it's just going to be so, uh, I guess, stupid easy that you're, you know, that you can't avoid it, you know, but until we get to that stage, um, there's been some, some wins and some def definitely some losses. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, kind of get towards the end of our time here. Um, Appreciate your time, Dr. Paul Matier. Anything else you guys, Paul, Jack? No, all good. Other than, you know, I think the folks on that are listening should know that we affectionately call Aaron A.A. Ron. So if you do see him out and about in the industry, he does respond and answer to that name as well. That, that I do. That I do. <laughs> the big name is now official. <laughs> no. All right, thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Glad to have you on board, Aaron. Hey, yeah. great to yeah. be here, guys. That wraps up our interview with Dr. Aaron Palmatier. A sincere thank you to Aaron for his time. 
This show would not be possible without the willingness and cooperation of folks across our industry willing to share their stories with us. Turf Dudes exists to communicate important research findings and turf management trends to turfgrass managers as part of Harold's effort to grow a better world. If you enjoy the show, we want your feedback. If you have a topic you'd like for us to address or a person you'd like to hear from, please send it to us at turfdudes@heralds.com. That's T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S at heralds.com. While you're at it, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, YouTube Music, or SoundCloud. We'll see you next time.